Right here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank Studio, every Sunday at eight on Fox Sports Radio, ninety-eight point nine FM and thirteen forty AM, Las Vegas flagship station of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. The We also includes social media director Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. And producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing and being a part of several shows at Lotus Broadcasting, Mags also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. We are also streaming on the LV Sports Network. You can watch the show on Facebook Live and Twitch. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A. L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Adeline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sport RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank Studio Line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank, is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. To get information or to call, um, or I should say, to get information on and all your questions answered regarding anything mortgage or real estate related, contact the pros at RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank today. Oh, okay. uh, you know, I think after they made three two, that's where we started to kind of chase it when we really didn't need to. Uh, this is a team that gives you chances, right? They like to trade chances with you. Um, it kind of plays into their game, obviously. And, you know, we feel like we're a better team. We just didn't uh, stick to our, our, our system uh, well enough tonight. Uh, kind of played into their hand a little bit, which is kind of run and gun game. Um, you know, that's the way that uh, you know teams can, can come in here and beat us uh, if we kind of buy into that. No, it's not. It's not really hard motivated. Short-term memory. I told them what we was gonna do: win, lose, or draw. Uh, we'll be in the office working tomorrow as coaches, bright and early. Players will be in there right afterwards, and we're moving on to the Chargers. And on this one, you gotta have a short-term memory. Remember, you got a divisional opponent coming in here at home. How do you turn it around just like that in four days? What a different locker room and atmosphere. I mean, it's December. You kind of gotta play your best football at this point. So after what we did last week, we knew we had to pick it up quick. That, of course, uh, Jacoby Meyer, you just heard. You also heard before him. Uh, you heard Antonio Pierce, and uh, you also heard from Mark Stone of the Vegas Golden Knights after the loss to Buffalo. And, yeah, oh, wow, talk about a crazy week in uh, in sports in Las Vegas in general with UNLV and the Las Vegas Raiders, man. I mean, uh, there's some strange water going around right now, but uh, we'll talk about all of that stuff. Also, uh, of course, the Rebels getting ready to play in the first bowl game they've played in over a decade. That'll be the guaranteed rate bowl in Phoenix. They'll play at Chase Field where uh, the Diamondbacks play that coming up the day after Christmas. We'll talk about all of that. Also, a big UFC fight at T-Mobile Arena, not just in the Octagon, but outside of the Octagon as well. Uh, that'll be coming up in a little bit, and we'll, we'll fill you in on all that. But that is what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or refinance the home you currently own. Or if you have any mortgage or real estate-related questions, contact the pros at RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank today. And uh, we'll get right into this, guys. we got a guest in studio today. We'll talk about that as well as Camden Perry is going to be joining the show. If you haven't familiar with that name, um, he's been on the show a number of times in the past five or six years. And uh, we're looking forward to bringing him aboard in a little bit. Um, right now, I want to get right into it, though, with nightcaps. Go ahead, Spence. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. 
Yeah, the puck uh, didn't didn't quite bounce the way the Vegas Golden Knights would have wanted it to against Buffalo um, on Friday night at T-Mobile Arena. But the Knights have played a lot of games. They had a slight break. And, um, you know, it's not anything to be too concerned about. You know, Bruce Cassidy is always going to be concerned when it comes to uh, his team and the way that they play. But... The fact of the matter is they just have to have a little bit more um, puck awareness. Uh, they're getting it together. The goaltenders are fine. Don't worry too much about Logan Thompson. He's going to be fine. Don't ask why Yuri Pateri is not getting more ice time because he's not going to be one of the Vegas Golden Knights goaltenders unless something season-long were to happen to Logan Thompson or to Aiden Hill. So right now, as Aiden Hill recovers, Logan Thompson's going to get the majority of work between the pipes. If there's back-to-back nights, that's when you might see Yuri Patera again. But um, this team is going to be fine. Uh, they got off to a little bit of a slow start against Buffalo, and you know they should have, uh, and actually they played well. They had some good chances. They just didn't get the puck in the net. Buffalo scored first, but um, you know Bruce Cassidy said it himself they had a opportunity um they had an opportunity to uh, win the game as they took a, they took a lead in the third period but it that, that didn't happen and this is Bruce after the game in the uh in, in the post game presser well maybe not all right um, we did have the lead in the third period so it is two one game for us after Jack Swole's a big goal so you know, now bear down, play the right way, play winning hockey. We did, we played losing hockey after that. And what do we do? We lost. So there's a little bit of a lesson to be learned there. Um, we don't lose a lot, but we lost tonight because of, I think, much more our actions. And I'll give Buffalo credit for uh, doing what they do best when we messed up, and which was, you know, great offense and good looks, and they finished them. You know, call it poetic justice. I don't think it's that, Chris. But every time that, uh, you know, it seems like an ex-Golden Knight comes to town, they get a point somehow here. And, of course, Alex Tuck comes into town. He gets a point. Uh, we saw um, uh, Krebs, Krebs here as well. He gets a penalty. He didn't get a point, I don't think, in the game. But Buffalo played well. They came out. But you know what I think the biggest issue is? And I, I talk about this all the time. I mean, the Golden Knights are the current reigning Stanley Cup champions. Everyone that plays them, they look at the, the, the when they play the Golden Knights, they look at that as a measuring stick for their team, where they're at, how they're playing. That's what happens when you're at the top of the heap and looking down. And I think that is uh, the case with the Golden Knights. They're getting the best effort of their opponent on almost every night they play, Chris. And you especially see that with opposing goaltenders. They really rise up to play against the Golden Knights. They want to show their team, their city, their coaching staff that, hey, we are really good. We're a professional goaltender and we can play with the best. So they play, and we've seen it. We see like Jordan Binnington stand on his head when they play the Stars against the Golden Knights because it is a measuring stick. Yeah, and then Buffalo followed it up last night with a with a shutout loss to to the Coyotes. So any momentum they were looking to build on was lost um, last night. So uh, look, that's not a really good hockey team that that the Golden Knights lost to. But no. look, I mean, there's an 82 game season. You're not going to play your A game every night. The Golden Knights. We're outplayed by the Sabres. They deserve to lose that game. And the good news is it's not the NFL where you only have 17 opportunities and you have a week between games most of the time. Well, the Knights are right back at it this afternoon at T-Mobile Arena. They they host the Ottawa Senators at 5. Um, I don't know the goalie situation. My guess is if Aiden Hill is unable to go, we'll see Yuri Patera again, uh, who's 3-0, and by the way, in his NHL career. But, look, I mean, it was nice – I, I, I don't particularly care if the Golden Knights win or lose. Like, that's where I'm at. They're going to make the playoffs. They know when to turn it on. They haven't had a ton of practice time. They've got to work on some things, and, and they'll get the ship righted. But third periods lately haven't been that great. Um, they've, they've given up four goals in each of their last three games. Bruce Cassidy also included a – they gave up an empty net goal uh, in, in that game. So – uh, 13 goals at T-Mobile Arena the last three nights. You got to get, you got to find a way to stop that. Look, you can't always outscore your problems, and the Edmonton Oilers are proof of that. That yeah. you can't always outscore your problems. They scored four goals the other night. They gave up seven. So, um, you know, it's 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 a kind of thing where the Golden Knights, with some practice, they they've only had a couple of practices at home in December. They were on the road for a couple of uh, for the dad's trip, of course, and. You know, it's the holiday, so you're not going to be practicing every day. So, uh, look, there, there's nothing to worry about. It's only, what, game 31, 32. 
they've won 25 of these things. Or they've gotten points in 25 of 31 games. Uh, tonight, game 32 against a team they should rebound against. I, th- I have a feeling we'll see a much better effort tonight by the Golden Knights. And uh, look, Ottawa is is a pesky team. They're a pain in the ass. They've got a lot of guys who will who will. Well, they're not afraid to mix it up. So the Golden Knights definitely don't want to get into a street fight with the Ottawa Senators because the Ottawa Senators will oblige. Um, and they'll gladly get involved in that type of game as we've seen over the last couple of weeks with them. But uh, look, Brian, nothing nothing to be concerned about. It's it's really not that big of a deal. You lost to the Sabres. It was nice to see Alex Tuck score a goal. It was nice to see Alex Tuck have an assist. You had an 18-year-old kid score a goal for the Buffalo yeah. Sabres. Like, we were talking about it. Like, at 18, I could barely tie my shoes. No, it's crazy. I mean, you're so— Let, let alone get out there and play against men. Hockey is the one sport. It's because of that skill set of being able to skate and, and handle the puck, and you really can pick that up at a very young age. And the key is the speed of the game. And at, at young kids, I saw it with Steve Eiserman years ago when he—about 1980 when he came to the Detroit Red Wings and, uh, you know, became, their, became the youngest captain in that team's history and probably one of the longest-standing captains for a single team in history— but I saw him at 19, and he had all the skill set of everyone above him. The difference was the body type. His body had to grow. And that's what you're going to see with any kid that's 18. Their body is still developing for another three, four years. So you'll see him get bigger. But this kid definitely has a skill set. You could see it in his hands. Kids like him and Connor Bedard, you, you see this extra special skill set that allows them to play at the highest level at such a young age. But again, Chris, I, I'm not going to disagree. I think this is a good game to put your Patera in again. Ottawa is a scrappy team, and they definitely can play. Fi- they they display physicality a lot, but they have the worst record in the Eastern Conference. Well, they've right also now. played the least amount of games. They have, and and they yeah, they've got a lot of games in hand if you want to say that. But they uh, they have uh, the, the, you know they're only they're only games in hand if you win them. If you win them, yeah. <laughs> but but the the key is is that right now they're not playing great hockey. They can mix it up. They are going to get geared up for this game. But I like it, Patera, a good spot to put him in again against a team that is not a high-scoring team that uh, bodes well for him and his confidence. And, and yeah, I think if Aiden Hill is not back today, which I don't believe he will because I haven't really heard anything, you'll probably see Yuri Patera start in that and get his second start this season with the Vegas Golden Knights, and it's a good game for him to maybe go 4-0. and um, I like what I'm seeing going forward, and the key is with this team, if you want to you know, ask questions, and I get them all the time, look at... The, the statistics of the players, the player stats to this point in the season. The cream has definitely risen to the top this year. And with the best teams, when you see their best players firing on all cylinders, that's when things are great. Jack Eichel right now, 34 points in 31 games. He's averaging more than a point a game. He's second on the team in goals with him and William Carlson each have 13. March so has 14. And he's got 21 assists right now. Mark Stone, 29 points. He's got 10 goals and 19 assists. Carlson, 28 points, 13 goals, 15 assists. March or so, 14 goals, 9 assists. That's four guys with over 20 points in you know in 31 games I think so far played this season. That is pretty damn impressive. And by the way, when I say 31 games, all of those four guys, which are probably maybe the four most integral parts of this team in Eichel, Stone, Carlson, and Marceau have all played in every single game. That is gigantic, the fact that they have been healthy from this point. I don't want to jinx them, but it's huge. And what's crazy is you look at a guy like Shea Theodore. He's only played in 20 games this year. I saw him, by the way, at the game last night. He was walking around and looked pretty good. 20 games so far played this year. He's got 18 points as a defenseman in only 20 games. That's almost a point a game when he's on the ice. That is remarkable for a defenseman. And uh, and Shea Theodore, man, if this guy could just stay healthy for an entire season, uh, I don't know if he'll compete for the best best defenseman in the league, Chris, but you know what? He is he is as good of a two-way defenseman as anyone, and, and I still laugh about the fact that he didn't make that opening day roster in 2017, because this guy is a superstar defenseman in the National Hockey League when he's healthy. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, he, he we know what we have in him here. Um, we've seen him now for seven years with this organization. Um, look, he came up from Chicago and he told you he was never going back, and he's never gone back, so... Um, I still think that was probably a, a cap circumvention move, but you know, I mean, we'll never really know exactly what went into that. But can you imagine the other teams that let him slip through the cracks during that little bit of time? Well, I, I think he was he, he. Nobody could have picked him up on waivers. Are you because, sure? I thought, they yeah, could. because of the type of contract that he had, he was still really young, so I don't think he was waiver eligible. But um, 
him and Tuck were both sent to Chicago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Tuck is a guy who also has proven he's an NHL player. So, uh, look. I still it, don't think it was a mistake at the time. The only mistake, and I'm not going to really call it a mistake, it's just, you know, you can't really foresee the future with Suzuki, with Montreal. It's the only mistake, in my opinion, the Golden yeah, Knights but you know have what, made they, to this point. But I still don't call it a mistake. I, I don't, you know, the thing is, Suzuki went to Montreal and he played on a bad hockey team and he excelled. I don't really know if there was a spot here for Nick Suzuki. Like, I don't know when he would have made the roster. Like, well, I would have rather seen them dish Cody Glass off to. Yeah, that was that was Nick Suzuki. That was always my my thought process as well. Like, hey, look, if you're going to trade one of these guys, I I I, I always thought Suzuki had the better upside. Yeah, me too. Just watching them in development camp and in the the very very limited preseason action that we saw them in. But you know, look, I they got Max Pacioretty out of that deal. Pacioretty had some really good seasons here. So uh, certainly not, you know, it wasn't like they gave up Nick Suzuki and got a bag of pucks in return. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those one of those situations where look, this team doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Well, it's funny, Chris, because Nick Suzuki is the captain of the Montreal. Canadiens. Yeah, and he's been for a couple for of years. A couple now. Of years now, very you know coming in, so it shows you what they respect from him. But I'm not like I said, I don't look at it as a bad move at all. And 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 I'll say this, I say it to my friends repeatedly. I will not at this point in time and maybe ever question uh, the decision-making of especially George McPhee, but Kelly McCrimmon either now. These guys seem to put the right places in the right in the right situations and the right people in the right situations, I should say, and the proof is in the pudding. They have been in the Stanley Cup playoffs every year in their existence except, except one, and that's when they had so many man injury hours that they, they would have been the they would have been the first team ever to have made the playoffs with as many injury hours as they had had with that team or man injury. I don't know, games, hours, however they figure that out. But the bottom line is this has been a really successful team and basically because of the management picking those players you know when they cherry pick the players in that inaugural season you know you're not you have to know who to go out and get and George McPhee is just a master in that and again elevating Kelly McCrimmon he's done nothing but great things as well so again Golden Knights back in action uh, today later this afternoon five o'clock Ottawa T-Mobile Arena last time you'll get them to see him here for over a week they're on the road for four more games after this one and I think they'll turn it around and win today against uh, the centers listen real quickly want to get to you and LV basketball talk about some of the water in Las Vegas you know all of us went to the game at the dollar loan center on Wednesday night fully expecting UNLV to get blown out I'm going to be flat out honest I really did now I didn't know at the time that they were going to be getting Kalen Boone back and or getting him active and being allowed to play after his DUI and the issues that they've had with that but uh, they got the twin brothers to play and the Boone brothers definitely make a difference on this team and it's a whole different face look and a whole different look of this team when you've got them playing and uh, but that game Wednesday night I've never seen anything like it it was like UNLV was a juggernaut they couldn't miss everything they threw up went in it was it was incredible I mean at one point they were shooting over 50 percent from three-point land uh they were just hitting everything and conversely Creighton wasn't hitting a damn thing their bigs who are really known for being a big team they were the eighth ranked team in the country coming in um they played like crap but I think a lot of it too they were getting ready to play Alabama one of the best defensive teams in the country and they just simply overlooked UNLV they saw the films that we did they saw the southern game that we saw and that, and and I think they overlooked them however uh you know is a huge win for UNLV without question Kevin Kruger's biggest win as the coach of the team and uh it it, it did get a lot of confidence in this team, and then I watched them play St. Mary's last night. They're down in Phoenix for the game on the road against St. Mary's. St. Mary's not the team that you've seen playing in the WCC the last couple years. They are a bit down this year. Basically a middle-of-the-road team, they're saying, this year in the WCC, but... That's still a formidable opponent. They've got a coach that is a, one of the most respected coaches in all of college basketball that's been there forever. And uh, they they came in fully expecting to play tough and beat UNLV. And, um, you know, it, it was one of the ugliest games I'd seen at halftime. Nobody could, there was like lids on both the baskets. They were missing three-pointers. They were missing layups. They were missing free throws. Both teams. But it got really good late in the game, and it ended up going into double overtime. I thought a coaching error at the end of the game, watching it. I don't know if you saw the game, Chris. I got a chance to watch it. But at the end of Spencer, I'll let you chime in on this. I don't know. You usually are watching the games. But if you saw the game last night, I watched it from start to finish. Uh, At the very end of the game in double overtime, 
there was about a seven-second diff- differential in the shot clock in the game clock, and UNLV had the ball in a tie game. Or UNLV, excuse me, um, yeah, it was a tie ball game. So we're looking at maybe triple overtime. And UNLV packed it in and didn't start the play till about three seconds left on the shot clock, like winding it down. Seven seconds is too much time to leave any team. There's still Seven seconds is enough time to set up a play and score a basket. So I don't know why you're eating up the clock when you're still going to give Creighton at the very, very least seven seconds to bring the ball down. I think they waited way too long to start that offensive play at the end of the game. I think it cost them. DJ rushed it, and that's what ended up That's what ended up costing them at the end of the game. And, and uh, Spencer, did you see it? Yeah, I think the thing is just UNLV – I don't know. Coach, we were just, a, he's still a new coach. And I guess that's one thing that just seems becomes apparent. I mean, you got to get things going. I, I hate those last second kind of heaves after you just kind of dribble the ball out because you can't take the seconds with you when you go home. I'd rather see a good shot. And, uh, you know, it just didn't work out for him. It sucks to see him losing double overtime, especially after such a big win. Now, I was, I was in on the, uh, like watching the Creighton game and it was just, it was great to see UNLV get a win like that. I mean, it's been years and years since UNLV's had those signature, like a win. I don't remember the last time. Um, so it, it was it was disappointing because I really thought after that game that UNLV was really going to get it going. And, and they almost did. I guess the, it could have gone either way in that game. But yeah. Well, Spencer, I do think they did get it going. And I think, again, you saw Kalen and Caleb Boone, how valuable they are to this team. They both fouled out. Neither one of them were even available in the second overtime. That killed UNLV. They're missing two of their best players on the team. It really hurt them badly. So I think you have to take that into account. But I just think, like I said, the bad, the worst coaching move I saw of the night, and, and again, Again, you can make the mistake is you got to get them going earlier. Don't back them down, pull them out in the corners when there's too much. You know, if it's going to be a last shot now, if there's no shot clock and the shot clock's off, I don't disagree with that. You got a tie game. Worst case scenario, you go to triple overtime. But when you still know there's going to be at least seven seconds left for the other team to come down the floor, you're talking about at this time before the game, you know, uh, you know, St. Mary's looked at as a better team. Uh, they've got a, some really good players on the team, although one of their best players fouled out as well. I just don't think you wait that long. But um, the last two games, I have been impressed with UNLV. And anybody that's watching that doesn't say that is is lying. I mean, they played really poorly in the first half, and so did St. Mary's. But compared to what I saw against Southern and up until the Creighton game, this is a better basketball team, and I think it is the Twins. It's the Boone brothers. These guys play basketball. They play well. I mean, was it Caleb or Caleb? One of them was going to declare the NBA draft and pulled back on it. So the point is, that's how good they're perceived to be they do make a difference. Is UNLB going to be any better than a middle-of-the-road team in the Mountain West Conference? I honestly don't know yet. I've got to see a lot of things have changed in the Mountain West Conference, although it is supposed to be pretty competitive this year. We will see. But I th- I think UNLV, put it this way, will play better than I projected them after I saw the first couple of basketball games. I think they will be better. And I'll leave it at that. Spence, hit the fact this. Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know what this team's going to be, but I just, I did want to say, and you talked about that DUI with Boone. I mean, that's just so disappointing to me. I mean, after everything that's happened in the city and the, that just can't happen on your team. I mean, the Golden Knights have, are like pretty much the people to look up to because they haven't had any issues like that. And the Raiders, it just seems like a weekly occurrence, but you know, to see that it happens in a college basketball team too. I mean, I don't even think the guy should be playing for the rest of the year, to be honest with you, regardless think- of if they be great or not. Yeah, I think a lot of people do feel that way, Spencer. I mean, it, it it really, it is a little bit repulsive when you consider all the things that have happened in Vegas along those lines, you know, going back to even starting with Henry Ruggs. You just didn't need any kind of, you know, especially a student athlete. But um, the yeah, NC- and um, I don't know where, what, what, what the kid's thinking, you know. Like nobody does. Like That's Spencer's the, right. Like like he probably shouldn't play the rest of the season. Nah, well, some, there's a reason they are allowing this, Chris. So some investigation says that it's okay. Something that they have discovered or found out because especially here right now, I thought he wasn't going to play the rest of the year. I thought it would end up getting ruled that he didn't. But so early on, we're not even to January yet, and he's already back in the uniform. Yeah, maybe maybe something behind the scenes. But you know, I don't know what. When you said you feel that maybe they are better than they were when they took the court against Southern, but Brian, they were out-rebounded by 35 yesterday. I agree. How the hell 
do you get out rebounded by thirty five? No, Chris. Chris, like I said, the different that that was huge. If, I mean, UNLV if, has if, size. If St. Mary was making They've shots, got size. if St. Mary's was making shots, it would have been repulsive. St. Mary's was a little bit bigger, but no, they the, the, that is that is definitely yeah, an Brian, issue. Brian, St. Mary's had thirty three offensive I rebounds. Know, I know you had a guy in there that had a, a boatload over twenty rebounds. I think one of their players. I mean, you you look at the second chance opportunities. Look, St. Mary's shot seventy nine field goal attempts. UNLV only fifty four. You're not going to win a lot of games. No, St. Mary's was te- was awful. They couldn't hit the broadside of a bar. They were for one for 19 from three. Three point, yeah. That, that killed them. But like I said, I still think UNLV will be better with these two guys. Because, Chris, in that game against Southern, neither one of these guys was in uniform. And that that that's a big difference. You take these two guys out of the lineup, it's a whole different UNLV team. That's all I'm saying. Am I saying they're good? No, I said we'll see. I'm just saying they are better without question with the Boone brothers on the floor than without them. And in that Southern game, to their in all fairness, they weren't part of it. Listen, we've got to move on. Spence, hit fact this real quick. Fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Fact. Last night, Donald Trump was in Las Vegas to check out his buddy, Colby Covington, take on Leanne Edwards in UFC 296. This did not overshadow two things that happened last night at T-Mobile Arena. Number one, Leon Edwards passed George St. Pierre and tied the second longest unbeaten streak in UFC welterweight history. And second, Sean Strickland, who was ringside, attacked a future opponent, Drickus Duple, ringside, and was removed from the event by security. Don't know if you saw it. Um, he turned around. They're, they're, they're harping each other. Why would you put these guys two rows apart, first of all, because, on the same side Dana of the Dana White's an idiot. He's an idiot. He almost said he wanted this. And the best part is, the best part, worst part, best part, there is a family in between. It's like Strickland's in the front row, Duplay's in the third row, same section, like literally almost right behind each other, and there's a family in between them in the second row. And you know what happens? Strickland says to the family, please move. He shuffles them out of the way and then jumps over the chair and attacks Duplay and starts throwing elbows into the back of his head in the middle of the thing. The security removes him. It was ridiculous. And, yeah, I, it was a, I don't think it was anything oh, premeditated. You know, look at this. It's like a science project. I don't know what that is, but I don't know if it was anything premeditated or planned. What I can tell you is it was definitely planned to sit those two guys two rows apart by Daniel Oh, absolutely. White. Yeah. And, and knowing that th- there's a lot of hostility between the two of them. They've been talking uh, outside of each other a long time. They will meet in uh, UFC 297. I believe it's in January. So the two of them will meet. It'll be interesting. But, I mean, he threw some major haymaking elbows into the back of Duplay's head. That couldn't have felt good. And he could have really hurt the guy. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous, and it shouldn't be allowed. And I don't know that you don't do something. I well, then you see the guy celebrating as he's leaving. That's the, what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I got to believe you got to. There's got to be some type of fine extolled on this guy for doing that at a, at a fight. You can't make that okay. So I'm interested to see what's going to come down from the UFC governing body as far as this Nothing's goes. Nothing's going to happen, but Chris. If it's okay, then this kind of thing could happen. More. A family could have been hurt. I mean, you're t- Strickland's a big dude. So is Duplay. He jumps over two ch- chairs to get to him. You got like I said, it was ridiculous. But either way, two two ninety six. The fight itself didn't disappoint. No, it, it, no, absolutely not. Colby Covington got rocked. Got got beaten like an unwanted redheaded stepchild. And maybe maybe we'll finally see him shut up. I hope so. Because you know what? When you use the death of an opponent's father, unbelievable. You're he, you're you're a scumbag. He's a sick man. He's I a mean, scumbag. Yeah, he is. And it was. And then he's. Oh, I barely got touched. Dude looked like his face was rearranged. And it's funny. Donald Trump shows up to support him. Go well, I don't care about that. But, uh, but you I, know, I, I mean, Covington's a scumbag. That's and, what I'm saying. And, and, and show, watching him get his ass you're beat. Showing up to support good. a scumbag. Not not the greatest look in the world. Listen, I want to move on because we don't have a lot of time today. Lots going on, and I want to get over to our guest uh, who is in studio. I didn't get a pair of headsets, so he hasn't been able to hear all the stuff that's been going on in the back. But he can hear me right now, sitting next to me. And uh, Spencer's got a got his camera set up for him. So we are going to welcome in Camden Perry. Cam, it's great to see you. First of all, man, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been. It's nice to be here again. The, the first time you were. 
you were a tall kid then. You're definitely taller now. Yeah. But it was like 13 years old. You walked in here about five years ago before high school, before a state championship at Bishop Gorman, before being drafted by the Texas Rangers. These were all goals that you set out for as a, as a young kid. And here you are now starting to achieve them, man. Yeah. Pretty damn cool. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, you know, I was here before high school and then, you know, now I'm here after. I just everything I wanted is completed. So crazy. Not I mean, everything. Yeah, I haven't been to this show yet, but I'll get there. Hey, you know, and, and what's what's crazy is you get draft. You know, pretty cool situation all the way around. You go to Gorman, which is you know the the the, the number one program in the state of Nevada without question for baseball and for a lot of sports, and you succeed there. You get them a state championship or help them to win a state championship this past year, which is the goal of every high school athlete. It's just to get an opportunity to play in the state playoffs in your prospective sport and then to potentially win, which you did. And then you had made a decision before any of this about going to college. You were going to go to, ironically, St. Mary, who mm-hmm. we just uh, UNLV yeah. just played yesterday. Yeah. And that seemed to be his decision. But you were also mentioned you were going to wait and see what happened with the draft. Yeah. The draft, I don't know if you went where you thought you would, perspective in mm-hmm. your case, and I'll let you talk about that. But you get drafted by the Rangers, and you made a decision. It was a tough one, and you decided to forego going to college and pursue this career. Why did you do that? Uh, it was a big choice. Um, you know, before draft started, you know, everyone's telling me that's it's going to be weird. It's going to be confusing. And, you know, I was kind of expecting that. So I was expecting, yes, I was expecting a lot higher. Um, you know, but I've been told by many people, they can tell you one thing. It's just going to go the complete other, you know, it's, yeah, they could, they could tell you, you're going to go 17th round. You might get picked third round. You never know. So it's, it's really what that team's feeling that day, what everyone's talking about that day. And uh, really, it came down to just talking. When I got drafted, it came down to just talking to my old older coaches. And they were just telling me, like, uh, for example, one of my coaches, uh, David Risky, he was my old pitching coach. Uh, he, he says to me, he's like, he's like I call him, I'm, I call him, ask him for some advice. And he just tells me, hey, like, Cam, look, I got drafted. And where you're at right now, you're better than me. And so I kind of took that to heart. And I, you know. That's really what persuaded me to go take the draft instead of going to college. Um, but there was just a lot of talks with a lot of people and, um, you know, both going to college and both going in the draft and just draft seemed better for me. You know, Cam, I, I say all the time and I, I, I preach this to my children. I always say there's two definites and two constants in life. One time will pass and two things will change. Time is the most valuable asset that we have. And at your age, to not take an opportunity like this to go play professional ball, I would have, I would have been over talking like, "Camp, take the opportunity." Yeah. You know, you can always go back to school. Not that school's not education's not a big part of all of us. I mean, I'm so, I'm so blessed and thankful that I went to college and got my degree. But then again, I didn't have an opportunity to go play professional yeah. baseball, or maybe my thought process would have been completely different. And as a matter of fact, I can almost tell you that it would have been. And I totally understand and support what you're doing here. Um, and and. And, and probably the main reason is knowing you for this amount of time now, you've accomplished everything you've set out to do. So why would I think that you wouldn't accomplish getting to the show yeah. and making it and culminating this dream into reality that you've you've had for so long? And I think it will happen. And it's pretty cool. And then, you know, how ironic you get drafted by the Texas Rangers and they go to the World Series and mm-hmm. win their first ever yeah. World Series the year you get drafted. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It was really cool. I mean, the we were watching play. I was in Arizona. We were all watching play together is it was a cool experience for all of us all the new drafty guys and all the guys that were already there and um it was it was an enjoyable you know a very enjoyable experience obviously to watch your hopefully future team you know win the whole thing so it was nice so how's it what's this like for you because i think you were 17 when you were drafted right yeah so you're you're a really really young guy yeah and you got to go through this life-changing decision at such a young age what's just walk us through like what what goes through like it's obviously you're talking to your mom and dad and just kind of what's the, what are the conversations like? Because, you know, at 17, you have to make a decision that's going to affect the rest of your life. Most of us are never in that position. Mm-hmm. So what's that conversation like? Uh, the biggest conversation I think I had was with my dad. Uh, I was kind of just sitting there. I, I, I was still not knowing what I wanted to do. And he's kind of, kind of gave me a little heart to heart. And uh, he's, he's, you know, he's, He's just main thing he said was just trust your gut. And so I kind of took that to heart, trust my gut. And what I wanted, what my gut wanted was get right into the show. And, uh, you know, the the thing with 
the draft, they, they give you money for school. So right now I could I have, I think, 10 years to, um, you know, do school online or do whatever I want to do. Um, they give you that opportunity. I'm taking a year off just because I don't want to do school for a year, but I'll probably start online. I'll, I'll probably start online classes uh, next year. So, I mean, even even while I'm doing baseball, all that, I can still be doing my school just to get an extra um, extra step in with, you know, just in case something happens, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that you said you were you were in well, Arizona Fall League down in, yeah. in, in the, the winter or the fall, obviously. Yeah. But uh, what's the off-season regimen like? And, you know, you, you I'm assuming you report because the Rangers have their spring training in Arizona. So mm-hmm. I, I assume in a couple – Weeks after after Christmas, you'll be getting geared up, and so what, what's the off season preparation like? Uh, right now, it's kind of just they have it, they have me on a throwing program. So right now, uh, or as of Monday, I'll think I'll be up to two hundred feet throwing. Um, I don't get on the mound. I've been throwing off the mound, but not like bullpens, just to get feel off the mound because you know that's my home. Um, but I'll be throwing like bullpens starting. I'm pretty sure like beginning of January. So it's really just right now. I'm just building up to being back fully on the mound, um, working out obviously every day, uh, stretching a lot. Um, it's just, it's a big workload, uh, but it's, it's, it's fun, you know. Tell me this. So you, you get to this point now in January, like you said, you're getting back on the mound. Um, this is your first year coming up that you are going to start your, your life as a professional athlete. Yeah. You have that tag in front of you now. Talk to me about that, man. It's it's nice. Uh, it's nice just, you know, having, having like you said, having that tag. Uh, it's, you know, I kind of feel like things I've worked for in the past. Uh, you know, I've talked a lot about being where I want to be right now, and now I'm here, and now it's, you know, the opportunity's right in front of me, basically, and uh, I just got to do everything I've been doing uh, with my work, my throwing, and, um, you know, I think I know that I'll make it to where I need to, so... Yeah. As of right now, where do they have you slated this year? Where you where, where, uh, I'll, where be, are you I'll be starting rookie ball, so Arizona. Okay. Because uh, me, there's two high school kids. There was me and a kid named Caden. Uh, we both got drafted to the Rangers. Uh, there was another high school kid, but he was a hitter. Um, we we didn't we got shut down pretty much right away, so we didn't get any games in rookie ball last year. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, I get tw- about 20 innings and hoping I get brought up from there. Looking forward to seeing it. Before I let you go, and it's it's great to have you in here. I'm looking so forward to your career. Right now, in your spare time, as you're here, you're helping younger kids oh, yeah. come up and learn. And I saw you're doing you're doing coaching. You're yeah. offering this to kids, one on one training. Kids is eight, ages eighteen to four, or eight to fourteen, excuse mm-hmm. me, most of the time, anyways. And you work a lot with what you said is water ball. Yeah. You talk a lot about hinge and hip lock, yeah. and show them drills uh, to basically to better th- their mechanics. Yeah. Talk about that. Uh, so basically everything I show them is just pretty much everything I did growing up. I started at the, uh, uh, shout out to, um, Randy Sullivan, uh, at the Florida baseball armory. Uh, I started there at, uh, 12 years old and I've been pretty much there every summer for about six, six weeks, maybe more. And, uh, they've shown me a lot of drills to help out, help out my mechanics and really everything clicked when I was about 16. And that's when, you know, velo started going up. Mechanics were just pretty much almost perfect. And so everything they've shown me, I'm just trying to give back to the younger kids, trying to just, you know, bring back, you know, help their mechanics just a little bit, just get them a little bit better as I get older, give them a better shot, you know what I mean? So uh, I go out to the to the field. Uh, I take about 45 minutes to an hour, um, just show kids, you know, a proper warm-up, uh, prop, you know, just play catch with them real quick and then uh, get them into the, some drills and show them some mechanical drill, drills using – uh, hip lock hinge, uh, which is to me, for me, the most important thing in uh, in a pitching aspect. So, how how do people get a hold of you? They want they want to follow you, follow your career, and potentially uh, take a look at uh, having you instruct them. Uh, so I'm on Twitter. It's uh, K A M D Y N underscore P E R R Y three zero. Uh, pretty sure that's the same as my Facebook and Instagram. So people just text me there. Uh, I give I do a little. I put a little poster thing on like Facebook or something saying I got, you know, given lessons or some people, you know, slide up, text me. So I'm on uh, all social media platforms. So 
Camden Perry. We are looking forward to seeing him at the uh, the major league level in hopefully the not too distant future. The kid's a great pitcher, Gorman High School man, won a state championship there. And again, I wish you all the luck in the future. And uh, real happy that you took time Thank to join you. the show this I really morning. Appreciate this. Absolutely. Once again, Camden Perry, man, we will be following him. And uh, believe me, as his career goes on, we'll keep bringing him in here and uh, and filling you in more on his career as we watch him down the road. Uh, Chris. Um, you know, going forward, and, 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 and actually I'm bringing both of you guys on this one. Uh, I, I can't explain what I saw at Allegiant Stadium this past week. From <laughs> Sunday to Thursday, I am, to say I'm bewildered, I mean, I've seen a lot of things. But to go for a game where a team scores no points to four days later, their franchise record 63 points. Spencer, I'll start with you. How the hell does that happen? You're asking a great question, Brian, and I just it's just another seven and nine season for the Raiders coming. And I guess that's the unfortunate part about the scores. You lose by three, you win by 30 or 40 points. It still counts as one win or one loss. And that's just what has defined the Raiders for the past 20 years. I don't remember if I talked about this on the show. I know I talked about it uh, yesterday during my football show, but. Then, well, growing up, the Raiders, like for me, haven't had a lot of bottom out seasons. I mean, they have just had so many eight and eight seven win seasons it's just so gross to watch because that's really one of the worst places that your football franchise can be because you're going to get a middle of the road draft pick and you're just going to be like mediocre forever and i just don't know what to make of this raiders team i don't i know for sure now that aiden o'connell is not the quarterback of the future for the raiders i don't don't know i'm still on the fence about antonio pierce but yeah i don't know i mean this team just plays really inconsistently and that's just to find this franchise for 20 years like i said yeah, I, I don't get it. And Chris, uh, you know, you you see ebb and flows of games and things change like that. But for a team that was so inept, I mean, so inept on Sunday, a game that, I mean, you know, it was almost like at, at times like fingers on a chalkboard watching that game. And then all of a sudden, like an offensive juggernaut four days later, what do you, what, what, what? What do you equate that to? Well, what I equate it to is the San Diego Chargers or the Los Angeles Chargers quit playing football. That was very evident. When when a defensive lineman picks a ball up and runs 40 yards and not one player on the Chargers chases him, you you have an idea of what kind of team you're dealing with. And it was evident by the fact that, that Brandon Staley was fired very early the next day. Uh, look, I don't know if, if this statistic has been put out there a lot, but... The Raiders scoring zero points on Sunday and then scoring 63 on Thursday is the second highest point total a team has ever scored in NFL history after being shut out the week before. You have to go back to the 1920s to find the team that had 64. Look, a franchise record in points for the Raiders. You beat a a division rival, a team you hate, a team that, well, I mean, you, you, you played them in a great game a couple of years ago and, and you kept them out of the playoffs. But uh, look, I mean, it, it's I, I'm kind of with Spence. I don't know if, I, if I'm a I'm not a fan of the Raiders, but what I do know is that I want the team to be successful because they're here. The biggest problem is now you're, you're in that middle. Like by beating the Chargers, you actually help their draft position. And the big difference between the Chargers and the Raiders right now, and Spence, you'll probably agree with me. You have a high draft pick with the Chargers. You've already got your quarterback in place. Like, you're already a step ahead of a lot of other teams. Like, I know Russell Wilson's turned it around, but I think the Broncos are probably going to be looking for a quarterback soon. The Raiders probably will be looking for a quarterback soon. But the Chargers are a step ahead because they've already got that franchise quarterback. It's almost like when the Steelers had had um, the transition to Ben Roethlisberger, right? They were a really good team. They, 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 and then they just had that one awful season, and they ended up with Roethlisberger in like the top fifteen. I think he was like the eleventh pick or whatever. But you were you you had that franchise quarterback in place, like the Colts. Remember the Colts had Peyton Manning. He has that ne- that neck issue. They 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 are terrible. They draft first overall. They get Andrew Luck. They already had the team around Andrew Luck. Yep. But in this case. So many teams, and me as a Jets fan, I, I go through it, it seems like, every three years where you're trying to draft that franchise quarterback. The Chargers have that. 
feels like the Jets go through that every year, Chris. Well, I mean, <laughs> look, it, it, it was only it. three years from Sam Darnold to – uh, and before that it was – oh, don't even get me started. I uh, can go getting, down. They're getting ready to go again. So Yeah, here, well, here Aaron we Rodgers supposedly cleared to play next I week. Heard, you believe that? I, I heard. I'm, I'm amazed. You know, why he would do this is beyond me when just heal up. You want to play another season, really heal that thing up. You know, I, I, I just don't know. I think his mind, he's got the Zen well, thing going I, I, in his look, head. Well, I, I, I look at Max Pacioretty. The guy's torn the same Achilles twice in a year, so... Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, and especially, you know, I, I have had fiber tears of my Achilles. That's the worst I've ever done. And it was pretty painful. And I was so careful because when you hear there's some tears, don't let that thing roll up on me. But from people that I have that have had an Achilles uh, tendon torn and had the surgery, it is excruciating and it is a long rehabilitation process. Rogers excelled at probably the vitamins. And when you've got that kind of money, you'll find the best therapies. Either way... I think it's a mistake. I think it's a mistake that he plays it all this year. I think, yeah, you want to go to practice and test it out, that's fine. This year is meaningless to the New York Jets. I don't know why he would do that, but uh, hats off and God bless him. Um, as far as the Raiders go, next week they play Kansas City. They've got a tough road to haul. Eight losses now. I mean, if they win nine games, I don't think that's going to even be enough to get a wild card in the AFC. So this year's pretty much kaput for them. But um, Kansas City reeling a bit, and it's going to be interesting to see them going forward. Uh, they've taken a few tough losses. You've never seen Patrick Mahomes lose this cool like he did at the end of the Buffalo game. It is going to be interesting going forward. I think the Patriots this week suffer tremendously because of the fact that Kansas City uh, is pissed off. And uh, we'll see. But, you know, the Patriots are, you know, Bill Belichick's talking about hanging it up after this year. So who knows? Maybe they'll play hard for him. Um, listen, want to move forward and talk about uh, this week around the National Football League. And before we get started with that, or I should say, we don't have a lot of time to talk about it. But uh, yeah, Yesterday, three games yesterday. A um, couple of them went as planned. One of them kind of not. I don't think people saw maybe Pittsburgh getting beaten the way they did at home um, in that game. Or they, Actually, they were on the road. They were in Indy. But um, I think people expected that to be a more competitive game. Gardner Minshew didn't start off well but played really well for Indianapolis. And it's amazing that they are right in the thick of the playoff picture. I wouldn't have seen that. They're playing without Taylor, without their starting quarterback yesterday. And they still find a way to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were known for their defense this year. That one didn't figure, but I got to talk about my Detroit Lions real quick, man. Um, you know, the one thing with Jared Goff is Jared Goff is a very proficient quarterback when he is protected. When you give him a chance to have some good pocket presence, the man can rip you up, and we've seen that. That's what made him a number one draft pick, overall draft pick. He has that kind of ability. But when he is under duress, he is not a good quarterback. Since week seven, he had the lowest QBR rating of any quarterback when pressured. And understand, the Lions the last couple of weeks have not had their offensive line intact. They had to move switch. Their center was out. What I'm telling you is this. Yesterday, the offensive line was back. And look at the difference in this team when they that offensive line attack. Jared Goff needs every one of them, including uh, Sam Laporta, by the way. Uh, Sam Laporta, you know, I've complained not about Sam Laporta, just about the, the Hawkinson trade to the Minnesota Vikings. I'm still going to complain about that. It saved them $20 million in cap space. They got very lucky in a guy with Laporta that they used a high second-round draft pick to get out of the same school Hawkinson played out of Iowa. And Laporta's turned out to be way more than they could have even hoped for, way more than maybe we all hoped for. Good for them. But it was still a bad move trading Hawkinson to a division rival. That's the problem. Not the $20 million, not letting him go. It was to a division rival. So people, when you're texting me, tweeting me, or whatever, complaining about it, get it straight. It's a division rival. You don't trade players, especially stars, to division rivals. And it's real simple, the reason for that. Not that you're worried about what they're going to do to you on game day. They have your playbook. They know your formations. They know your tendencies. They know your mind. And you got to play them twice. You don't want to give that kind of information to the opposing to an opposing division rival that you play twice a season. That's what I'm saying. So please get it right when you're questioning why I continue to complain about that move. I love Laporta. Think he's great. Think he's going to be a great tenant. Could he could could morph into a guy like Travis Kelsey? But it was still a bad move trading Hawkins to a division rival. So please stop it, okay? Jameer Gibbs, eight total TDs this season. Their rookies are doing unbelievable. Laporta, Gibbs, you couldn't ask for, for, for better out of them. And um, 
You know, and, and I also got to say, Jared Goff yesterday um, was, was pretty cool. He became, along with Matthew Stafford, the only Lions player ever with five touchdowns and no interceptions in a game. And again, St. Brown had a good game as well. Lions look good. One more win, and they clinch. It's, it's just that simple because they play the Vikings twice, and they play the Cowboys one more time. Listen, guys, let's get into our pick segment, and uh, we'll talk more about uh, about these teams during this. Uh, last week, uh, we went 2-2, two and two, went 2-2. Two and two. Matter of fact, the last three weeks, we've gone two and two we keep doing that the scooper they say the cream rises to the top he the the, the top he is the handicapper this is what he does so no no surprise i should say that scooper has risen up to the top he's tied with magnum now eight and six three wins in a row for him and i gotta tell you last week was the most impressive of all of them scooper you took the new york jets minus three and a half against houston I scratched my head a little bit at that pick. The way Houston has really been one of the surprise teams in the National Football League. The Jets have been garbage for the most part. Their defense have played well. And they blow out the Houston Texans 30-6. to That was a good one. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's a lot about spots in this league. It's a long season, a lot of games. And uh, it's all about timing, as you know. All right, who do you got for us this week? Lead us off. Tonight, we're going to go with the similar one. We're going to go with another bad team in a pretty damn good spot today. We're going to go with the Arizona Cardinals. They're coming out of their bye week, had a big win before the bye. They're going up against a San Fran team that's been through a lot lately, had a Thanksgiving Day game. They have a big one coming up next week against Baltimore, and it's uh, it's a bit of a sleepy spot today. So we're going to ride with Arizona plus 12. Wouldn't be surprised if they had a chance to steal this thing outright. Well, you know, it, it could be a kind of a trap game. You're looking at a 10-3 and team against a 3-10 and team that has been in disarray this year. The Cardinals have, I'm not going to say they've disappointed. No one expected them to be any good this year, and they're not. But this is a division game, and it, is, it could be a trap game for the Cardinals. It is plus 12 right now. You're taking the Cardinals, not quite getting two touchdowns. I can't say that I don't like it. It scares me because the 49ers are such a juggernaut, and if they get going, they are so hard to stop once they get going downhill. But, you know, again, this could be the trap game. So Scooper is going with the Cardinals. I'm going to go second right now, and I'll tell you, because uh, last week I lost, I just can't see – the Bears going into Cleveland with that defense, if not the best defense in the National Football League, the second best, and winning that game or being within three points. I got to take the Browns minus the three. Joe Flacco comes back to life with the Cleveland Browns. Mags, who do you got? Well, both of my picks are now off the board. So, uh, look, Carolina's a bad team. I hate the Atlanta Falcons, but I just don't trust the Falcons. I think at some point Carolina is going to play a good game. I think they're going to do it today. I'm taking a really bad team. Hopefully it's a good spot for them. Mags plus three with Carolina. Spencer, who do you got? I'm going to take the L.A. Rams. Their offense is clicking on all cylinders, and they play one of the worst defenses with the worst secondaries in the Washington Commanders. Rams minus six and a half. Lex, we're out of time. I want to thank Camden Perry for joining the show. The scooper, as always, wouldn't be able to do it without Mags and Spencer. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line. We are off next week on Christmas Eve, but we'll see you in a couple weeks on New Year's Eve. Have a great one. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Be safe out there. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.